This is DJ Thomas, and you're listening to Frequency Interrupted. What's up, podcast? Today I have Trini Triggs with me, and he's a country music recording artist. What's up, man? How are you? Man, I'm glad to be here, man, talking music. It's, it's my life, you know? Yeah. It's what I do. <laughs> well, look, man, Um, the main focus today, I really want to get in, get some of your backstory. Yeah. So tell me about, I want to know when you got in the industry, because you've done a lot of things over the past, how old are you now? Uh, 54. Man, you've done a lot of yeah, things. 54. You've done a lot of things, and yeah. I've known you for about 10 years yeah. now, and uh. Yeah. Dude, can we get started when you were a kid? How did you come into music? Well, uh, of course, my whole family sings okay. on my mom's side. I'm talking about everybody, my sisters, my cousins, everybody sing. So, of course, me in class, second grade, uh, singing at my desk all the time, got in trouble <laughs> for singing. Okay. I got in trouble. So the penalty was to get in front of the class and sing the song I was singing at my desk. <laughs> <laughs> well, they were training you early there. They were training me early, yeah. man. So really, from that point on, man, after singing in front of the class, the teacher called, we ended up there, like, man, they started putting me in the Christmas programs, yeah. you know, different things like that, and it just grew and grew the personality, and the whole thing just kind of grew from that, you know? Okay. And then you got, so about what age did you step into doing this publicly, and what, did you know that you wanted to make a career out of it? I think I started singing in a family band probably around about uh, 14 or 15. Okay. A family group or whatever where we just right. played and stuff like that. And uh, I never really took it serious in, just, just playing and having yeah. fun. I think I took it serious when I became the house band for a, a real popular restaurant there in Natchitoches. Okay. And it was just me and another guy, man, and everybody's like going all going crazy because we played a big variety of music. I okay. mean, country, hip-hop, oldies but goodies. I was rapping the whole what? night. Okay. But every time time i would sing country music people were like dude that guy is good at country music really? man and just a little bit every weekend i kept thinking man maybe this is this is my calling okay you know? so that's when i started taking it serious like i want to do this you know like for everywhere yeah. for everybody you know and so from that where did you decide to step into the i mean the actual country music game like what year was that you know when did you how you said you were 14 or 15 playing in a house band yeah yeah so i would say uh okay i got signed in 97 okay but how did you how were you found I was that's five, what i want to hear about yeah that's the thing you want to hear about yeah. right there i would say five years before that okay i was singing in that in that restaurant okay. bar and uh i was also working at a wood company okay and, and a buddy of mine that i worked with was in there and he, he went back and told his dad he said daddy you've got to come here this guy sing he's like oh my god he sings country music like crazy so the guy came and stuff like that heard me he said i don't have a lot of money but man i think we can go somewhere really of course okay. we spent we, we, we went up and down the roads Nashville for about three years. So you roughed it. You did roughed it the right it way. I'm talking about car. sleeping in the back of yes. the car. Sitting yeah. way back in nosebleed, yeah. wishing I could be on the front. Like, yeah. like you hear the stories from yeah, everybody. Man. So Carrie you... Underwood would tell you, man, I would sit way. I was, I was, I was that one girl way back that wishing I could be on the stage, and yeah. they all did. Yeah. And that was me at one point. It's, that's and, interesting, man. That's awesome. And uh, and nothing really happened. And we heard about this new club opening in uh, Shreve City. Okay, and this is in. We're talking about some Natchitoches, Louisiana, and then moving up to North Louisiana, which is. Report. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So we heard about this new club opening up, and there was a band playing. So we say, hey, let's go check it out, man. So when I got in there, my management asked, could I sing with the band? And they said, sure, absolutely. A band from Texas. Can't remember the name of them. And, uh, and they said, what song? I said, Sammy Kershaw, Third Rate Romance. <laughs> throwback. Yeah, yeah, well, throwback. at that time, though, that, no, was, no, that, was, was, that was fresh, it was fresh right? Okay. It was like one of the hot songs okay, right then. Yeah. Uh, so I got on stage, man, and not even halfway through the song, this older man stepped out from from the sideways or whatever, and he stopped us right then. He said, I've been looking for somebody like you for years. Really? And that's what did it. 
guy named Herbert Graham owned about 46 nightclubs around the country. Okay. So uh, well, he teamed up with my manager that I already had, mm-hmm. went to Nashville. Uh, they hired an entertainment lawyer. We cut some singles. Uh, the lawyer set up meetings in Nashville with seven different labels. Mm-hmm. And we had uh, this one week to go there and visit all of these labels. And uh, went to Warner Brothers. They love me. We went to uh, Decca Records at the time. They're not there anymore. Thank okay. God I didn't go with them. They said they wanted to see a showcase. Yeah, you know, people heard about that showcase and mm-hmm. to see what you got on stage. Then our next, then Mike Curb heard about me. My meeting with Mike Curb Records was the next day, so he okay. moved it up to that same day. Nice. Told our attorney like, we want to see that guy now. Went to Mike Curb, and Mike Curb said, "Man, I want this guy." Okay. So that's where we went. And this was, what year was this? This 97. 97, 1997. okay. And you cut your first, what was your first hit single? The first hit single was the first one we put out there, Straight Tequila. Straight Tequila. Straight Tequila with Mixed Emotions. Yeah, <laughs> man, I just put that on my story yesterday. I don't know if you saw it yet, but that's actually my favorite song of yours. Yeah, yeah. And so from there, what, what happened? I'm interested to hear yeah. because... You took off. You, you were, you know, you were a local guy. You started out. What was the name of the restaurant you started in? Uh, the restaurant in Nagat is just the Mariners. The uh, Mariners, and Mariners, it's still there. Mariners it's still, still there. there. Okay, still there. Is it still the I, same I, family and everything? Uh, well, it went through three different families, but at yeah. the time I was there, it was the same family, the okay. Nichols. Okay. Anyway, awesome. but I was a house band for seven years. Okay, and then anyway, but I got signed. Uh, we we decided to, uh, to choose Curb Records. Mm-hmm. Did the big deal, the whole nine. But at the time, Mike Curb owned Curb Records. Which uh, Tim McGraw was on. Okay. He had uh, MCG Curb, that was uh, Leanne Rines, and he had Universal Curb. My Curb owned three labels at one time. Nice. Winona Judd. I don't know if a lot of people yeah, remember yeah, Winona, man. man. Heck yeah. yeah. So, right when my single was released, we're climbing the charts. I think we were like at my, almost at the top 40. Because you had two different charts. Then you had R&R chart. We're at 20-something. They made a top 40 hit on that chart. And we were at 42 on billboards. And then out of the blue, my label shut down. What? Yep. Really? I was on MCG Curb, which is Mike Curb Group. Right. It shut down. I was out on the road. Yeah. And heard that the, the label had been shut down. So I got lucky. Okay. I got lucky. They got rid of everybody that worked for the label. That was the bad part of my luck, okay. though. Okay. And, uh, and lots of artists were let go. But okay. they moved me over to Curb Records. Okay. But over at Curb Records, they had just started promoting this little young guy named Steve McAnally. Okay. Brand new single. So all the people, all the regionals is what they call them. They go out and work the records all around the country. Yeah. They were all let go. Everybody really? that knew Trini, that knew my life, right. knew how to go into the room and brag about right. me, they were all let go. Okay. So really, it's almost starting over. Yeah. So my, my the straight tequila hung in there for a little while. And at the time, I don't know if people remember this, singles back then had an A-side and a B-side. Yeah, the B-side. <laughs> yeah. On the B-side was a song called Horse to Mexico. Now that's a good one, too. And what happened was radio station started playing that song mm-hmm. and started playing that song and it started climbing up the chart with no help you so it just did it organically you didn't push All it or anything own. okay so awesome. the label said man let's get after this song yeah so that ended up being the second single that and, okay. and, and, and it did just as good as uh, the first one man okay. top, top i think like top 20 on our uh, radio records on our chart yeah i think uh billboard back in the 40s on the billboard and stuff like that yeah and as a matter of fact uh it was uh it entered the top 50 with uh, 
what was it, the least amount of radio stations playing it, and it actually beat out uh, Lee and Rhyme song Blue. It was some type really? of record, then. Whoa, that's I think crazy. it was only 19 stations playing it, and it went into the top 50. Yeah. And it was some type of record at that time, whatever. So, yeah. because of so many stations playing it heavily, yeah. California, okay. Texas, you know, Oklahoma. So, it was a big Southwestern feel. You know? Right, yeah. So, that's pretty much how it started. And that sound you had, I mean, I feel like it was perfect for the time. Yeah. Like, you fit right in there, and being an African-American country yeah. singer... What what kind of what kind of feedback did you get on that? Like you know, because you, know, you know, there's a big year gap between what you and Charlie Pride. I mean, what was some of the gap, big players? Huge you know, gap, man. Huge you're, gap. you're probably the next big player that comes in. Yeah, yeah. So it, it was pretty interesting, man, because on the tour bus around the country, man. We would stop at a McDonald's or something like that. Even, I mean, everybody, black, white, you you yeah. go in there and got black guys working in and black girls working in. That's that guy on the video. Oh, so the like, I, I don't listen to country music, but that's that guy. Yeah, yeah. Don't say that quick. I don't listen to country music, but, right. but now everybody listens to country right. music. It's, it's so changed, whatever. But really, man, never a, a big problem at all. That's awesome, man. Man. I think that's everywhere great. we went, people thoroughly enjoyed it, man, accepted yeah. it, yeah. you know, and stuff like that. And saw it, I think they saw that it was real. It yeah. wasn't a gimmick. Right, you weren't putting on a character. It was you. On a, it was it your was voice, and it, it was that's that's it was that's real. Great. I wasn't trying to talk country or nothing like. Yeah, it was just me. Yeah, it was just me. Yeah, and so that at that time, that I mean, country western was really big. I mean, I mean, what were some of the other players that were popular when you were recording, and, and you know, when you come out besides Leanne Rhymes and the oh, people that, that were on your record? The dudes that were killing the chart back then was a Tracy Bird, okay, Mark Chestnut, okay, the Neil McCoy, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, Tracy Lawrence, yeah, Joe Diffie. They were killing it, man. Yeah, they were. Scott Brooks, they were at the top of the chart, man. All those guys, Brooks and Dawn was still killing it with their records. So mm-hmm. a lot of that '90s country. So I came in at the backside of the '90s country, '97 through '99, and it changed over to the 2000s. So mm-hmm. most most of my records were released in 2000, from 2000, 2010, but I, I was on the back part of that 90s sound. Yeah, you know? yeah, you definitely were. You have a nice, it's authentic. Now, yeah. from there, you're on the road, you're touring, you re- revamp with the you know, new label, and where do you go from there? What's, what's the next move? I mean, because I know, I mean, you've been in playing in big venues. You want to yeah, talk yeah, about yeah, that? Yeah, I yeah. mean, what's, what's, what's some of your best moments in, in the life of Trinity Triggs when you were at your – you know the prime and it's really the prime yeah i think that they have an opportunity to do certain things that uh, i guess a lot of country singers probably like oh my god i wish i could do that yeah. playing the grand Ole opera man that's see that's one thing now yeah. about this a lot of people may not know about me is that i grew up on country music i know i don't look like it with the tattoos and yeah, the earrings yeah, yeah. and all that but i really love the old sound yeah. i'm not too crazy about the new sound but i really love the old sound and i remember um spending weekends at my grandparents on the weekends watching grand Ole opera yeah and um, just to know that you say you played there is so <laughs> insane to me because we'd watch they'd watch that old stuff, you know, yeah. the Porter Wagner show and exactly, all that, exactly. and the and the hee haw, and then and then when Grand Old Opry come on, the whole house shut down. Exactly. And we all sit down and watch <laughs> sit it. Down and watch and it. And man, that's some of the best times in my yeah. life as a kid, you know. Yeah. And and for you to be able to do that, I mean, what was that experience for you? And and, and let me ask you this: Did you grow up watching that? Was that yeah, something so you were passionate about? All that stuff, yeah. like Andy Griffith show, man. Yeah. You know, Gunsmoke. Yeah. Boy, I couldn't wait to get home to watch that. Yeah. So I, I knew that was already in my blood to be the uh-huh. cowboy and yeah. stuff like that, you know. So that was already in my DNA to to, 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 to love that style, to yeah. love that image, you know, that whole that lifestyle. You know, that was already in me. Well, well, playing Grand Ole Opry, what did that feel like? I mean, 
man, just I, I guess what it, like any country artist would say, having an opportunity to do it, man, just unbelievable to know. Like, oh man, I guess we would say, man, I made it. Yeah. You know, when you, if you play in the Grand Ole Opry, you think you there, man, I made it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And to say you're there with Porter Wagner, Little mm-hmm. Jimmy Dickens, yeah. uh, Charlie Pride, uh, John Conley, yeah, all man, of those guys so right there backstage yes. with me, you know. And I think the time, my first time I played it, this is how it happened. Charlie Pride sang on my album. So who really, gets, who ha- who gets? To, to I didn't a, know that. Li- I didn't know that. Li- yeah, my very first record, Charlie Pride sang with me in the studio Whoa. on my record. Okay, a song called One Mississippi, Two Mississippi. I haven't heard it. I got to check that yeah, one look out. Look it okay, up, man. Okay. So the same week that we were in the studio in Nashville, Charlie Pride was performing at the Grand Ole Opry. So he said, "Hey, you want to take one of my spots?" Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so dude. that's how it first happened. Charlie yeah. Pride invited me to take one of his spots. Man. They're singing the Grand Ole Opry. And after that, they invited me to come back on my own after that. so and, But, man, just knowing. And I think the time I played, Charlie Pride was there. Brad Paisley yeah. was there. Yeah. Several. Kenny Chesley. And that's when they was, were getting started, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, that was the, the, the first part of their prime. Now, yeah. what did it feel like for someone so, I mean, so crazy big and you know influential to your music to ask you something like that i mean how did it did it humble you did you oh, did you Lord, did, yeah, did yeah. you not know how to think take yeah, it yeah. i mean I'm, I'm just a humble person anyway yeah man. i mean I'm, I'm the type of person man i can have a billion dollars i'll still be me yeah right <laughs> i mean i know me. that about you it's one thing i like <laughs> about you man, change, man. Yeah. so that, that being humble was already me and just being i think proud and thankful and like oh man this is unbelievable to, to have an opportunity to do this and not only that a legendary person asked me to do yeah. it you know to be in the same company rubbing shoulders with this yeah. Charlie Pride and all of the greats that the, the Grand Ole Opry are made of. You yeah, know? they made that sound and oh, you know man, they yeah. carried it on for so long. Now, where does it shift? Because you're at your peak, where does it start slowing down? What moves you make from there? Yeah, I think what slowed down my career is the label brought in a different A&R person. Okay. Uh, I don't know if a lot of people know what A&R people are. A&R people are the ones pretty much that run it okay they run the label mm-hmm. you know you got a promotions department you got a you got a you got a publishing department you got a and r those guys run it yeah you know and stuff like that. and they brought in a different guy that didn't know trini okay and so so, so I mean, that's still cutting it, the same music you no know? Okay. he changed tried to change the style and you just being and how does that world work for a lot of people that don't know this? Man, like, what, how does it work? Like, what, you just have to go with the flow. Yeah. Back then, you? back then may not be now. Yeah. But back then, you pretty much had to do because they had the money. Yeah. Uh, you had to do what they wanted you to do. Yeah. You can sit there and I tried to fight. Say, hey man, that's not me. Try this song. And management tried to try to do the same thing, uh, but they pretty much uh, the label went with what they thought was best. Okay. You know, as much as you try to fight, they still try to tell you, okay, let's try this. Yeah. And I think one of those songs uh, uh, was The Wrecking Crew. There's a song, if you right. look it up, The Wrecking Crew. Yeah. It really wasn't me. You didn't, I knew you it didn't feel it. No, it wasn't me. Even when I did on a, I went on a radio tour around the country, mm-hmm. the radio people would say, dude, what made you cut this? And see, that's that's that's, that's how it comes back. Yeah. What made you cut yeah. this? You know? And, that's, and it reflects back on you as right. the artist. And, right. they're, and they're not... They're, did you have not, to own it all. Exactly. <laughs> like, man, they made me cut it. Yeah. And so, I mean, do you write any of your music, or no. do you? Okay, you do. Yeah, okay. several songs on the album I wrote. Shake okay. the dice that's on there, and and I, and I actually when I became, uh, they saw me as an artist. They saw me as a writer as well. Okay. So I got a chance to write with all the greats, man. I probably in in the Curb Records vault. 
There are probably thousands of songs I've co-written with people. Really? Thousands of them. That'd be interesting that to see some sound. of those, you know, kind of come with, back up. I, I've always felt, man, one day that that 90s sound mm-hmm. would come back, man, and they would dig out that vault. And <laughs> well, uh, I wrote songs with a lot of great writers. Yeah. Yeah. And so... Well, I'm glad you said that because I want to get your take on music now, okay? And I and I know you're in the industry and you got to be loyal to the industry. For me, I'm hypocritical in the fact that the music isn't what it used to be from a country music standpoint. I don't think the soul's there anymore. Yeah. You know, I think that just like every industry, it comes to where it's, hey, is this a hit? Hey, is this a hit? And then the sound starts shifting because yeah. of that. I, but I do see some new artists coming out in the past few years because I haven't been aware for con- yeah. you know looking at country listening to it for a few years because I got t- I didn't like it I didn't like the redneck sound you yeah, know exactly. I just didn't feel like yeah it was popular yeah it's trendy the videos are funny and cool but is there any soul in there you know the heart and soul I felt like was gone but then I see some new artists coming out like well they've been out for a while now like Chris Stapleton mm-hmm. and stuff like that and and they they're bringing that blues feel back yeah, to yeah, it you yeah, know yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you you feel like whenever you listen to that music you you feel something yeah, you so feel what's something. your what's your take on country music right now as it sits and what it's doing you know what it's yeah. been doing over well, the past few I, I years first and my hats off to those guys that are doing well yeah of course it's completely different yeah though. and I guess I would look at it this way I know at some point whenever George Jones was there I mean the music was hot in his style yeah then a George Strait came along yep. with his style those George Jones people probably think like who's this George Strait guy that exactly. style of music exactly then from a George Strait to a Garth Brooks mm-hmm. but but every time that changed it was still country still got it's fiddles still, it's and still, yeah. banjos and all that yeah. and the licks were still country mm-hmm. now we've changed the where I think just the the licks and the progression and the drum and the feel is so pop feeling right to where it took that like that that uh like you said that that soul and and, and that uh the real realness of it that yeah. you know you live it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Country music, you live it. You do. When the, you, you, you don't have to even uh, uh, sing a lyric, the music just almost when when the music plays, it like lives in you. Yeah. You already know it's a part of it. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And now they they change it to that uh, that snap pop yeah. which is pop music. Yeah, of and course. Hip-hop. And they're they're put. I mean, I see what they're doing. Like, I mean, look at Taylor Swift's sound. Whenever she come out. I saw her very first tour with George Strait, yeah. and she was a little girl sitting on the stool playing guitar. Yeah, and look at her now. Yeah. I mean, it, the shift is there, and it's it's all predicated upon attention. Like, you know, people they know what's going to work, and I understand that. But man, it's just it's so nice to see some of it. You know, it's, I feel like some of these artists are emerging with some soul again. You exactly, know, exactly, exactly. And, and I think that's why Texas country is so big now. It is, yeah. Big man, a lot of guys around the way where I live, man, from Zuwale to yeah. Manny to Nagadish, yeah. a lot of those guys, Keatfield, the Cody Cooks, the, yeah, Cody the, Cook, the yeah, Lucas, uh, uh, all those guys, man, uh, Je- uh, uh, Jeff Bridges, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Merritt, all those guys, man, out in my area, man, they they play that real music, mm-hmm. man, and, that, and that's I think that's why people really appreciate it. Like I said, nothing against no, of course not. Hey, she man, has about three hundred and eighty million dollars in the bank. Yeah, I'm not I'm not knocking anyone's <laughs> hustle at all. I love it, but there was just a time. <laughs> There was just a 10-year gap where yeah. I was embarrassed to say I like country music yeah, yeah. because I wasn't proud of it anymore. But I remember growing up, riding around with my dad, listening to old Conway, and then, you know, then getting older and still listening to the George Strait and, the, yeah. uh, you know, the Char- and then even going back to, you know, some of the older Charlie Pride. Then you got the, you know, where it starts picking up a little bit with the Brooks and Dunn. You know, those are local boys, too. So that's that's awesome. I think that's why Luke Combs is doing so well. He is doing There's well. a lot of realness in Luke Combs, yeah. man. You know, there's just a real deal right there, you know. 
And uh, another guy that's kind of keeping it country is a, a John Party. Yeah. There's a lot of country oh, yeah. stuff in him. He call it uh, neon traditional. Okay. Like, that's what he, that, <laughs> hey, that's I like it. That. That's ne- a difference. Neon that's, traditional. That's interesting. He's okay. a California boy. Yeah. You know, up there with Dwight Yoakam and all those guys. Yeah. Like the, uh, who else is from that area, man? Uh, Buck Owens. Yep. Around the California area. One of the originals area, there. You know, uh, but he, he calls his music neon traditional. Okay. <laughs> well, from that, now you're – it, your career's slowing down. Um, you, you, the record has changed. The people over the record has changed. What do you do next? What's your like? What's your motivation? What are you doing? You know. Uh, well, in between, I have to, I have to get this out of here, and and I want people and artists to know because mm-hmm. this is a tough one right here for yeah. me. When I talk about it, I want to cry. Yeah, because uh, and a, and a lot of artists have gone through it, and don't mm-hmm. be fooled by it, man. Stay on top of your game. Yeah. Stay watching your management. Stay mm-hmm. watching your producer yeah. and all those guys when they tell you, "Hey, I'll do it for you. Sit at home. Watch out for that because it happened to me. Right. This is what happened to me. Okay. Uh, the uh, the A and R guy. I'm not gonna call his name. I ain't gonna put him out on blast. Yeah, okay. Uh, he called my manager and told him that uh, we're letting Trini Triggs go. Okay. This was in uh, 2009. We're letting Trini Triggs go. Okay. And at this point, it had was, you slowed down? Yeah, yeah. Tour, yeah. Not touring anymore. It, 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 uh, not as much. Still touring. Okay. But not as much. Not okay. not those you know, 200 dates or 150 right. here and there. Because you know, I opened up for George Strait, all those yeah. guys. I was on the yeah. road with all those dudes, yeah. man. Uh, Alabama, you name it. I was out there, but not as much of that. Okay. Opposed to just Trini shows. Yeah. But anyway, but uh, 2009, I was told that I was dropped. Uh, from the label and stuff like that. It mm-hmm. was devastating. I bet. Never, I didn't even go to Nashville for about three months. Really? But I still had my writing deal. Mm-hmm. So a year go by, I get this big letter envelope in the mail from my attorneys saying that the label's letting you go. Okay. I'm like, huh? So I called my attorney and said, what do you mean the label's letting me go? I said, yeah. I said, Bruce, uh, Jack Lyons and Jones was my attorneys. I said, they let me go a year ago. I said, no, they didn't. I said, wait a minute, you're telling me, you're telling me right now I've had a record deal for a year and you and they're just now letting me go? So I told him the story about what happened. We were we were on the plane the next day to Nashville. Really? Okay. I could have done something. I'm not the suing type of person right. or whatever. You know, I think that man holds a bigger right. something against exactly. somebody. <laughs> exactly. But uh but yeah, for a whole year I had a record deal and didn't even know it. And you just were sitting there sitting at home, yeah. Just beat one, up. Yeah, beat just, up one, but I, I would still go to Nashville and write. Right. Okay. Every other couple of weeks and stuff like that just to write to keep my record deal because yeah. they, they pay you a monthly note to do that. Y'all get monthly uh, yeah. check for doing that. Okay. Stuff. But never knew. Had I known, if I could get that one year back. There's a lot you could have done that year. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I'd have flipped it and said, man, y'all have no choice. We got to cut this. None of this has worked. The last four songs y'all put out have not worked. Okay. Let's try this. Yeah. I could have at least done that. Yeah. And at least say you, hey, I put all my cards on the table. Yeah. And so after that, what do you do? What were you at? Well, it's uh, you know record deals over. Yeah, uh, we tried uh, 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 contacting other people and cutting some new stuff, and mm-hmm. then uh, along came another guy that believed in me and put a lot of money in me and stuff. And we're getting ready to go with this label by a guy named uh, James Stroud. Music industry people know the name is okay. huge. Gotcha. Huge produced Tracy Lawrence, a lot of the big guys. Gotcha. James Stroud had a label at the time, so he was going to get on that label mm-hmm. and did all the paperwork and stuff like that. And three months later, the label was gone. <laughs> Dang. So, so it's like one track. Like, yeah. They one tragedy after the next and, and uh along the way right there and know? so like what do you do to feel like you gotta if you're and i and i'm asking you this because i really want these listeners to know what you go through and also yeah. what you do yeah because 
what I know about you is you don't quit. It don't matter what. You ain't you hadn't stopped. You're gonna find some way to keep hustling and do your thing and be in front of people and, and you're doing things right now. But so when this happens, what do you do? You go from making all this money to losing it. What do you do? What do you what do you fill your time with? Well, I, I think uh, one an individual have to continue to believe in himself, like I, I still right, do. Right. I still believe there's a there's a, a, a door that's going to open, man. And yeah. that's how you got to think that there's a door that's going to open, man. That's going to be the right door yeah. for you and and get you back out there in, in some kind of way. Mm-hmm. Like like I do right now, I do radio. Yeah. And what I'm trying to do is land one of those syndicated stations mm-hmm. where when I talk on the radio, they hear me all over the country. Yeah. So it puts me back in everybody's ear again. Well, I'm interested to ask you this, and I've never I just thought about this since we've been talking, but when you're successful, people love you when you're on the grind. They hate you when you're on top, oh, yeah. and they love to step on you when you fall. You better know it. But they love to come up. So I'm interested to ask this, because I know a lot of people from where you're from are going to listen. Yeah. What was it like from a local standpoint, your people back home, how did they treat you when you got to the top? And, they, and now, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think when I got to the top, man, it was all over me. Okay. Trini, 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 everybody want me to play, everybody yep. want me to. And what I did, I think what I did, this could hurt you and then it could help you. Okay. I did a lot of, especially my hometown and around yeah. my hometown, I did a lot of, you can have Trini free. This is my hometown. I owe Give it back, back to you guys. Yep. To you guys. Yep. Now everybody's still expected to be free. Okay. Even And so do you have, when you come back, you come down you see that what I've always loved about you is you've always given back to where you come from. Yeah. You never forgot where you nope. came from. Nope. Most people do. Yeah. And it just is what it is. It's, it's in any industry. Once they get on top, they just leave the rest behind. Yeah. They forget about people. That's why there's all that animosity build up. Now, the fact that you come back and you're, you know, you're probably down to your lowest level, you know, you lost your deal. Exactly. You're still, you're trying to grind, do things. Do people treat you differently right then than they did when you were, about to to break and and absolutely okay you, you got the true fans they yeah. don't change right i got some of them man they don't care to me to them i'm still that guy that's still got the big hit record right now yep. that's how they feel then you got the others mm-hmm. that y'all oh, just trendy you know yeah well he that, that thing's over right you know type of thing right there you, you know for whatever it is that's gone now yeah you know so you, you got both sides you got those true fans man and they don't ever go away yeah I mean, they still think you think the world of you, man. You're just as big as anybody on the radio right now. Yeah. <laughs> so it's both. You got the ones that just uh, just don't really care, and it, that, was, that was something back in the past, whatever. You know, he had fun. That's over with. You yeah. know, whatever. Right. Type of thing. You know. And well, I liked it. You know, I had um, Jay Watley on a few weeks ago, and he's a friend of ours, and Jay we've Watley. we've done a lot of stuff. <laughs> like I know you've been in the nightlife quite a bit, and you come up in the nightlife. Yeah. yeah. And um, you know, you had a big stance that I met you at the Rock and Rodeo. Yeah. Um, which that was once a big conglomerate corporate company, am I correct? Mm-hmm. Um, out of Texas. Yep, yep. So were you playing at all those? Is that all your connection? Them. So you're yep. playing at all My those places. Was the owner. Of okay. All of those and so that's where your like connection that, yeah. played. Uh-huh. And 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 so many people. And I want to mention this. Um, I don't want to get crazy hyper local, but so many people know you from there, and experience you from there, and how true and honest of a great guy you are. And then they turn into fans. Yep. You know, like, what's your what's your uh, feedback on that? Like, uh, what do you want to say to those people, the people that, you know, that 
have been there in the grind when they yeah. caught you in the grind on the way coming down, but still being you. Exactly, man. I, you know, I, well, you definitely gonna, you have to appreciate yeah. those those people, or whatever, mm-hmm. and be thankful that they're still in your corner. Yeah, you know what I'm saying they're still picking you up because you're gonna have those low days, man. You got those ones. Uh, you may look on social media, man. You got a down day, and you got that one fan say, "Hey, Trini, man, love your song, man." I was yep. playing it in my car, yeah. driving home the other day, and there's a big smile popping Dude, back up again. It's you know? so great. So just that one thing can bring you back to life from that mm-hmm. one fan. You know, yep. it, it's like Garth Brooks say when Garth Brooks do it. I don't know if a lot of people. Have heard this when Garth Brooks do a concert he's actually singing to one person really it's just everybody's in the room yeah you know so he wants that, want that one person to feel I'm singing just to you that makes sense it may be a 50,000 in there but that's how, that's how he is yeah that one person knows me the furthest one away I'm singing just to you yeah and that's how you make them feel so so that one person that may post that on there man that means the world to me you know I'll take that like a thousand people saying it yeah that's, <laughs> I mean that that's one thing I've always noticed about you and um you know with me I was the type of person that we, I play a little guitar, sing a little music, never was great. Um, but you always bring the best out in everyone. Yeah. You know, I was always, I'll give you a little credit, man, because right now I'm on the radio, I mean, on the podcast and, you know, out in the waves and, you know, doing things in, in, in public. But a little bit of that, I can contribute to you because I was scared to get up and sing in front of people. I mean, you've yeah, sing in front of know, people. Yeah, that's uh, that's right. a lot. It's been a while. It. It's been a while. But if I don't think if it weren't for you making people feel so open and yeah. being so inviting, it's like, hey, man, don't worry about everybody yeah, in here. Just yeah, be just yourself. Be comfortable on stage. Just be, be yourself. yourself. Yeah. And um, that's something that's that I've, I've noticed you've always had, man. And but you know, from there, what are you doing right now? Besides, okay, so you're on a local radio station. Um, you got all your all, you're back home. You mm-hmm. got all your your people that are pushing for you. They love you. Yeah, yeah. I catch you on the morning show. You know, y'all do a great job. You have a great big following. You're trying to grow out of that market back into you know into some big radio. Is your passion for radio now? And talking, entertaining, does that, how did that shift from the music to that? How did that happen? Uh, I, I think because uh, everything, everything's come back to the individual. It comes back to you, how bad you want it. How, if you're going to get out there, because it, it's not going to come knocking nope, on your it's door. it's not coming. It <laughs> I don't care who you are, it's not going to come. It's not going to no. come knocking on your door. So I, so I didn't go out there fighting to get the, get the gigs and getting the mm-hmm. gigs. And I started focusing on radio because I got to thinking, you know, that's a good way for people to hear me again. Yeah. Let's get on the radio. Yeah. Because the station reaches out to many different people. Mm-hmm. So that's a good way they, they can hear my voice every morning. You know, maybe play my songs occasionally here and there. Yeah. So that was, that was my thinking to do that, you know. And also at the same time, I knew about syndicated stations. Right. So, well, you know, this would be a good idea. Let me go do radio, get some of that under my belt, get a few years under my belt, tie it in with my music career, and see if I could land one of those. Uh, and I got to thinking, like, you know, uh, Shania Twain and Travis Tritt have a, a TV show called Real Country. Okay. Yeah, and live on TV. Okay. Uh, the, the world can see it. And the, the guy they hired to host it was just a radio guy. Yeah. A popular radio guy. Yeah. So my thinking was, man, I can do that. Mm-hmm. I got the personality for that. So let me see if I can get one of these syndicated stations and become this real popular DJ guy. And that's a way to get back in the industry in a different way. Yeah. And you so know. now you're you're climbing that ladder. Yeah. And uh, are at you, the same time, I, I'm missing the stage. Are you doing any music? Man, are you doing any music at all? No, I mean, but I'm, I'm getting ready to. Okay. I said 2020. You gonna do something? Yeah. yeah I Man, I'm excited. I'm gigs. excited because yeah, I, I haven't some gigs. I haven't seen you on stage, man. It's been a couple it's years. When's the last yet. time you played? Oh man, I can't even remember. It's been man. two or three years, huh? Yeah, no, not that long. So oh, it hasn't been that. Okay, I some some, some uh, different shows here and there. You know, uh, Nagadish. Every year I play for the jazz festival okay. down there. So uh, yeah, you know, just a few shows here and there. But I want to get back to you know book some shows, find some guys that are serious. And what I've been doing, like if I go to Texas, there's some guys over there that I know. 
Okay. I'll call them. Hey, man, let's book a show. Yeah. I'll send you the songs. You learn it. The day of the show, we'll practice and be ready for the show. Yeah. You know, and, and that's anywhere. If I go to Las Cruces, Mexico, mm-hmm. Arizona, I'll call those guys that I know there instead of bringing a band with me. But I want to put a band together. Okay. Yeah, Interesting. I get some guys together. I mean, let's go, let's, go, let's go do some music. Well, I man. feel like... I feel like that's, you know, I feel like there's respect for that back in the game now. Yeah. You know, I think yeah. we lost about 20 years where people just were expecting it to be this big theatrical thing and it turned into something and now it's getting back to the grassroots. Yeah, yeah. So if you, you know, you do do that, I think I think you got it, man. Yeah, I think yeah, you yeah. just, you just get back in the grind, so, man. Yeah, I want to uh, definitely start doing that. That's awesome. Putting that back in the mix for sure. But I mean, a lot of people don't know this either, man. When I first got signed to Curb Records, I got signed to a big deal with Coors Brewing Company. Really? Okay. I, national, I didn't know that. I was a national spokesman for Coors. Okay. So they paid me these about $400,000 in a contract. Here's the deal. It's going to make everybody go like, oh, wow. In the contract... We got about 400000 up front. And the contract said, if straight tequila goes number one, we'll renegotiate a deal for a million dollars. Really? But the label shut down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it lost all its traction because the label wasn't pushing it. You're not lying, man. I mean, that's a, that's a tough break. Yeah. So. You know, and I, because I never really knew your story, and I didn't know, like, well, man, I, I look up this stuff, and it's all like, Hype and popping in all the the right years with the yeah. right people, like yeah. what happened? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that makes sense now. Yeah, I was right there with all with all the best of the best, man. I'll yeah. be in the green room, and there's Taylor Swift right there. There's a uh, Carrie Underwood sitting at that table. The best of the best in the room, Keith Urban sitting right beside me. You know, really, with his chilling. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it's called CRS. Mm-hmm. It happens every year in Nashville, radio seminar, and and there's a green room where everybody's in there. Fanfare that's in Nashville. Yeah, you got the green rooms where all of the country artists, and they're all in there from Willie Nelson, you name it. That's the insane. Oldies, goodies along with the, the new people you know yeah. everybody in the same room you know? Dude, that's great you well know? i'd like to um since we, we you know we went through that and i, and I enjoy talking about that and i want to give i want to give a little bit of value to my listeners that don't know country music or may you know i don't want someone to listen to this and say well man they ain't talking about nothing i care about exactly you know um tell me this you're a positive person um i feel like we vibe well because we're always just trying to help people and do mm-hmm. things what makes you get out of bed in the morning what do you what do you value now more than anything? What keeps you grinding? The, the, the first thing I think just the love for for, for laughter, yeah. the love for just enjoying life. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? The love for uh, making somebody smile. I love yeah. to do that. I love laughing. You see me right? Yeah. I don't think I stopped smiling since I've been here. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's just me though. Yeah, yeah. I ain't putting on a front. And it's always been that way. Always been that okay. way. Uh, just the, the joy of making somebody else have a good time. Yeah. If I go to Walmart and my girlfriend always like, "Oh my God, stop talking to people." <laughs> <laughs> I'm at Walmart. And I know everybody before I leave. Yeah. Yeah. And we could be in a city we've never been in. Yeah, that's great, dude. <laughs> we can go down to New Orleans, man, and go to some store, man. I done met everybody in that store mm-hmm. before we left. Well, the good, th- the one thing about that is if you're always positive, there's still those negative people that always have something negative to say, and they're just like, well, they're just, you know, they, they don't understand me. So tell me this. At your lowest point, since you're such a positive and influential person and just always so energetic and happy, at your lowest point, how do you overcome that? I think uh, by, boy, I'm, uh, in my mind are so many things, yeah. man, and I think I know how to block it. Okay. I think I so you don't to, let it keep you from doing what you're yeah, doing. Yeah. And, and, and one thing, and, and you're probably going to know this as well as I know it, anybody goes to the gym, the gym is gym a helps. healer. It is for me. It is for me. Everyone has their own outlet. Oh, man, you know, I'm not, saying, I'm, I'm not saying everybody has to go work out, no. you know, um, but it's my beer after work. 
Man. That's what I tell everyone. If I go to the gym, I mean, it's like a new life again. It's just the way yeah. to clear my head. But, but but negative stuff and all that stuff, man, I, I found a way over the years just to cover it up with something good. Mm-hmm. You know, I see on social media today, man, and it's hard to watch it. So many people always put negative stuff and negative stuff. They thrive it, on it. You don't understand. You, you don't put any. You, you want to kill people with kindness. Yeah, exactly. If they know you're negative, they're winning. Exactly. If, if the significant other that you done broke up with or the boss man that done fired you, they yeah. know that you're putting something negative, mm-hmm. they're winning. You're correct. I mean, I feel like insecurities make those negative, and people always say that. But if you really think about it, if you're not insecure, if you hold yourself accountable and you call yourself on your BS, you can't be offended by anybody yeah. being negative. You know, and so who cares if they're talking? You know what I mean? If they're saying they're talking smack or being negative, and the people that are, man, there's something they envy you about. Yeah. It may be your attention. It may be, you know, your popularity. Maybe because you're in shape and they're not, you know, whatever it may be. But, man, we all have our, we all have our demons. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But it's how you deal with yeah. them. You know, I think the, the, the rise to the top, the bottom, and the rise back up. Dealing, being able to deal with all that and still have your energy, like that is something to be said. There's something yeah. to be said about that, yeah. man. And I think people too, man. They they, they got to realize, man. Uh, they, they, something one thing may end, but there's always something else you can be great at. Yeah. That's just as equally good as that. You mm-hmm. know. That's like, what if music's over? Yeah. What if I don't get to sing again? I'm super good at radio. So you look at it. You look at. I'm super good yeah. as a speaker, or yeah. entertainer, or spokesman. Yeah. So you find that next level wherever you're good in, man, and be good at that. Yeah, I mean exactly, and you know, like, and one other thing I want to talk about real quick. The music game now versus how it used to be, I feel like the grind's not there anymore. Yeah. Um, I think there is some of those guys that grind and been grinding for a long time, but there's some people that just put it in the on the right YouTube channel and it just blew up. What do you what's your thought on that, man? What's it like I, I mean, how does it make I you feel? <laughs> they didn't have any of they that. They didn't have that. They so like you can that. reach well, everyone in the world from your phone now. So it, back then you you were restricted to every I think you know, it ten made it miles. So easy that they took the grind out. It also took the creativity out. You know what I mean? I think everyone's just pushing everything out. I mean, I don't know if anybody remembers Crook and Chase, Primetime Country. Those are TV shows that I I was on all the time. Okay. You know, uh, you you remember those at all? No, I don't know. Yeah, look those up. Whoever's listening right now, look Mm -hmm. up Crook and Chase. Mm-hmm. And primetime country, two different radio uh, TV shows that were on nightly, and when they and, and when they were on, they were you were you were viewed all over the entire country. I was always on those, really, always so that live helps. on TV, and ha- and so that helps. I so mean, that was there. the YouTube then. That mm-hmm. was the social media now. Right. That, that's that's how you got out there. You know, right. Grand Ole Opry was more on TV. Then. But you had to get to a you had to get to level before you could step on there. Yeah, you yeah. Just <laughs> step on there. You know, yeah. being a house band, yeah, you had yeah. to grind. Yeah. You had to. You and once work. again, there it is right there, Charlie Pride, the goodness of him. You got some good people out there. Mm-hmm. Charlie Pride, I think, made it possible for me to be on that first show. Yeah. You know, with him, live yeah. with him right there on the stage. And that, he just, yeah, I mean, yeah. you have someone behind you that believes in you, that'll plug you. I mean, there's not a lot of people left like that, man. Yeah. I feel like gratitude and, you know, kindness is almost, it's a nostalgic you know, people lose it. Yeah. They don't. They don't appreciate. People it. always asking me. You got several people messaging me, man. I'm a writer, man. How do I get to some publishing company? I give them my best advice. You do see, that's great, man. man. I don't hold back. The people, the people that don't, they feel like they're too, too good, or I, you know, they just. Oh, I'm not talking to that person. You know, I can't. I can't. They stand don't. That. Or just, or they, and I can see both sides of the fence there, where they'll be like, okay, well, I worked real hard to find out all these secrets, so I don't need to tell them all these shortcuts. Yeah. But man, I think giving. Just continuing to give, it's going to come back. Yeah. Instead of trying to hold it all in and not sharing anything. Because if you do all this 
And one day you don't wake up the next morning. You got to you, you had to do it for something besides yourself. I mean, what was the point? Exactly. And you got kids, you got grandkids, man. How many kids you got? I got two girls. Okay. Kristen until Kristen's 28, Tori's 22. Okay. Yeah, and they both have two boys apiece. Awesome. Yeah. So well, how does it feel to be to be in that chapter of your life? Oh man, I love it, man. You know, just it, it, I love it. Just uh, watching them grow and being a part of that and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I think it just comes with life. Yeah, you know, it comes with growing and you know, and just you know, getting older and then uh, you know, it's now it's time to see the grandkids. Yeah. and the kids have stuff and that whole thing, you know. Yeah, but, uh, and and also reflect back on the things I've done. You know, I had some amazing times, yeah. man, on tour with Tracy Lawrence. I don't know if anybody remember Kevin Sharp. Kevin Sharp, he's, he's passed since. Okay. Kevin Sharp, and nobody knows. Oh, yeah. Me. yeah. Kevin Sharp, yeah. Tracy Bird, all of us were on tour, and we were opening up for the one and only Garth Brooks. Oh, man. <laughs> who That's, said they've done that? <laughs> hey, I don't care who you are, you know who that is. Yeah. You, you know, know what I mean? You know who that is. So just yeah. being able to, you know, on tour with, with the George Straits. You know, Martina McBride yeah. opening up for the Travis Tritts and all those people. Alabama, you know, old Alabama, baby. Man, that's a good sound. The opportunity to do that around the country. Yeah. Not one or two times, but all the time for 10 years. That's a, that's a grind right there, and that's that's something a lot of people can't say they did, yeah. you know. Uh, especially the people that just take off, go viral, and never have a chance to experience the culture. Yeah. You know, yeah. so they're their own person, but they don't appreciate the culture and yeah. the drive because they didn't have a chance to experience yeah. it. And, they didn't come up with the hard work. And speaking of experience, it just, I'm just going to tell you about this one time right here that uh, that I'll never forget. We're playing a celebrity basketball game in Nashville at Belmont College. Okay. Vince Gill, everybody man, yeah. in the game. You got some of the Tennessee Titans football players, which were huge dudes. Yeah. I felt like a little worm. <laughs> they were slamming the ball with the pinky finger. Anyway, but uh, in the locker room, this is pretty cool. Rascal Flats and their boxers. We're all getting dressed to go play basketball. Rascal Flats sitting on the bench right here beside me while I'm getting dressed. And Vince Gill. They, they were the halftime show harmonizing and singing their song a cappella while, while I'm getting dressed right in the middle. Right there in the That's locker room. That's crazy. Can't beat that. No, you can't. Those are some <laughs> of the best vocalists in, in country music. Yes. If you don't know country Vince, music. Yeah, Vince Gill's and, amazing. And uh, people have their opinions about Rascal Flatts, but I'll tell you this. I support and sing. You can't say anything about Vince Gill. I mean, that, no. for vocalist-wise, real I deal. don't know. You know uh, Vince my, Gill, real deal. My grandma was real into music growing up. I mean, uh, when I was growing up, and she sang all the time, and, you know, they used to sing back when the Hayride was going on, and, you know, and – Vince Gill was something I always heard her. That was one of her favorites. You know, she always listened to his music. And Amazing, that, man. that guy's voice is insane. Yeah. yeah. It is. So just having that opportunity just to be in the, in the locker room, man, that type of setting. Yeah. Yeah. Can, you'll never forget well, that. Well, tell me this real quick. So in your prime, your daughters are how old? Uh, I think a, a 10, 10, and 5. So did you miss a little bit there while you were doing, you know? Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I only want to ask you these questions. I know maybe you know something, you, but I want to ask you this because I want people to hear who are out grinding. Yeah, you know what? The, you know, related. I think people gonna appreciate yeah. this. Some may say, "Oh, I don't know," but I think a lot of them gonna appreciate this. Yeah. Um, in my prime, I ended up going through a divorce. Okay. Uh, Kristen was ten. Tori was five. Okay. And uh, of course, we lived in Nagadish. Yeah. Uh, the label wanted me to move to Nashville. Okay. Management wanted me to move to Nashville to do it every single day. Yeah. But had I moved to Nashville, I was going to miss them doing soccer and dance okay. and school yeah. and homework yep. and telling the stories and rocking the sleep. Mm-hmm. I chose to rock them to sleep. See, man, that's, there's something to be said about that. I didn't know that. You know, so, <laughs> so you know, that was probably one of the things, too, that hurt me, too. Yeah, but it did it really? Me. Did it really? No. Nah. I don't think so. Nah. Because a lot of people can't say they did that, nope. you know. 
you might you would have list, missed all those all that all, all that soccer games. You know? Yeah, all all those yeah. different little things that they're involved in. The school trip for you holding a hand, going to the zoo. Yeah, Shoot, you, you can't get that back. No man, hanging that's... out in Nashville, writing with people, and you on you talking to them on the phone. You having fun? They didn't honey? have FaceTime back yeah. then. No. They didn't have no FaceTime. It's all that. Now you got you so, know. I, so I chose to be with them. Yeah, and mm-hmm. go to Nashville every other couple of weeks. May not have been enough for the label and stuff like that, but uh, but but still, the label can't get back what I what I was able to hold on to. Exactly, and you you were able to experience it and still so. still be a dad. Yeah, and uh, look back and just say, hey man. I'm, you went in my book, bro. Yeah. You went in my book, and yeah. you're still so, grinding. So I chose them. Yeah, that's what's up. Well, look, I got something for you. So uh, you got a morning show, radio show right yep, now. Yep, yep. Um, do you like coffee? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. I, to, I got to get that voice right in the morning, man. I'm all, okay. My voice is always so crappy look, in the so morning, I got, man. So I got these things. I drink them. You're into health and fitness. So Bang, everyone knows about Bang Energy. A lot of people don't know about these. This is Bang Keto Coffee, okay? Oh. So it's low-carb. High protein. The difference between this and a regular Bang Energy drink is there's no creatine. So you don't get that bloated, puffy feeling you pre-workout. You can use this as a coffee supplement with 20 grams of protein. Wow. And so you almost got a little meal in the morning with your coffee. Yeah. And uh, I love it. I hope you like it. I'm but gonna do it in the morning. Send you a video and yeah, picture of it. Yeah, let me know. Let me know if you like it, man. And I, I mean, I, I wish these. Uh, yeah, this is not I'm even up. me plugging this. I just like it. You know, I don't. Uh, I wish they'd give me some money. But shoot, <laughs> no, they um. I, I love haze. Heavenly hay, uh, heavenly hazelnut. Yeah, that's what it's that's called. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it's some good stuff, man. Uh, I really like it. I, I enjoy can't wait it. To try it, man. Um, Man, anything you you want to you want to give back or you know tell anybody or you got anything you want to plug right now, man? Um, go I, I, for I, I, it. I just think, hey, Trinity's not over. Yeah, I'm far from over. You know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm self driven. You know, I'm self motivated. Yeah. I'm the type of person I don't need a workout partner. Yeah, it's fun having one. Yeah, in of the course. Gym, yeah. but I don't need one. Exactly. I'm self motivated. Right. I only I know how to get to the next level by myself. How do you do that? It just it just the, the drive that's in me. Yep. The want to do better. You okay. gotta, wanna you gotta want to do better. If you don't want to, you're not going. You away. ain't going nowhere. Yep. And then, and nothing will come knocking on your door. You yeah. got to go after it. I don't care what what you're trying to do, what you're trying to accomplish. You got to go after it. You got to do it. You got to work at it a little bit every day. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? Uh, uh, what's his name? The three point shooting guy for uh, the Warriors. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Curry. Yep. I guarantee he worked every day. Oh, Tiger, no doubt. Tiger Woods worked every no single doubt. day. No doubt. I guarantee. That's how those guys got to that level. If you want to be a guitar player, you want to be super good. Twenty minutes every day, you'll be amazed. Yeah. I mean, if you just sit back and wait for it to come to you, it's not going to happen. Nope. I don't care what you're doing. Yeah. I don't care if you're the businessman. Yeah. You know, or you want to be the music artist. Yeah. It don't matter. Yeah. So, so I guess the main thing I would say, just believe in yourself. Yeah. Because, I mean, uh, most people probably won't. Mm-hmm. You know, people are fake like they're believing in you and stuff like that. And uh, you only have a few people in your corner. Yeah. So you got to be in your own corner. I hear you. So I agree, man. <laughs> well, look, man, it was great having you on today. and everyone.